there's another uh, lawsuit against McDonald's for hot food, and this time it's French fries, um, which severely burned a three-year-old girl. Um, yeah, and you know, and people just get very worked up about this, and you know, and I have very mixed feelings about it, just because. Um, I mean, I think that. That, that food, there's a certain temperature food probably should not be served at. Yeah. Um, it, it's certainly not for children. Um, and I know, I mean, we've all been in that situation where the fries have just come out of the boiling oil. And I, I love them, honestly. Like when yeah. they're fresh like that, it burns my mouth, but I continue to eat them because that's when they're the most, the tastiest, the most delicious. Ow. Yeah. But I mean, it's hot food. It's hot food and fries specifically. No one likes cold fries. They're delicious yeah. when they're they're hot, but then you yeah. get kids involved and you know serious injuries. That kind of changes the story a bit. Prioritizing profits, prioritizing, prioritizing dangerous pro- drug and product cases. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode: prioritizing profits, dangerous drug and product cases. Another week, another show. Back at it again. How you doing? How's uh, the last seven days been for you? How you feeling today? Good, good. Um, getting a little bit of a late start. We had hoped to get a, an early start since I have to wake up at three thirty in the morning tomorrow. But um, duty calls. Peter couldn't get the dogs. Had stuff at the hospital that had to happen. So anyway, but all good, all yeah. good. I'm revved up. <laughs> and so you have to wake up at three thirty for a flight, right? Yeah, yeah. So heading to Maine by way of Boston. So flying into Boston tomorrow, spending the night there, and then taking a shuttle up to um, Portland, Maine mm. on, uh, so tomorrow's Thursday, on Friday, yes. So we get into Portland, Maine on Friday. And is this a business or pleasure trip? It is, come on, it, it's not this kind of business. It's not a law yeah. business trip. Um, primarily pleasure. Um, it's a, an event called Sober in the City, and um, it's a really fun event. I've been to several of them, um, and women get around, get together um, in various places around the country. Uh, the last one was actually in Palm Springs in February, um, and there's a big party, a big dinner party on Saturday night and some other events during the week. Um, and then, so it is partly business because uh, my friend Terry and I do an online book club, um, and we will have a table um, at the uh, at the event mm-hmm. promoting our book club. So, so see, it's a little businessy. Yeah, a little bit. I didn't know you guys but... had a table yeah. uh, because I know this. And and so for people that might not be familiar with this group, it's essentially a group that you you found on Facebook, right? Um, or is it like a national type thing? Well, it is national. Um, the woman who who uh, started it, Susie Strillman, she's out of Long Beach, California. Mm-hmm. Um, and now she and Peggy Cooney are partners in this project. Um, Peggy's out of Sacramento. Um, so the initial events were in California, Long Beach, and then Sacramento. Um, but then they travel around the country. And so um, I'm trying to think. I heard of it. Um, some friends of mine actually told me about it. And I was supposed to be in Germany when um, the the second one, the one that I, the first one I went to, was held in Sacramento. But the can- trip was canceled because mm-hmm. Bauer wasn't feeling well. Then he got better, but we had moved that trip, so I was able to go. Um, and then I've been to to everyone, everyone since. Since then, so. and how how big is this event? Because it's a, essentially a sobriety thing, right? Or- well, it's women um, who are alcohol free who. Um, like to have a good time just mm-hmm. without the alcohol. And um, the, the size of the events vary. Um, I think the Austin one was pretty big, 
Um, I don't remember, but I think this one is about 75 women. So mm -hmm. it's not huge. And it's in a very small town, Portland, Maine. Mm -hmm. um, but it was time to do one on the East Coast because the women who uh, for the East Coast had to go all the way to either Cal both yeah. California, that the first three were in California, different places in California. Um, and then there was the Austin one. So it was time to do East Coast. It's interesting, too, that, uh, you know, you mentioned it's, it's women do, who don't drink but still like to party. And, and this is an opportunity to be able to have fun and have an event like this without there being alcohol, which really I, I think it's a point to how ingrained it is into our society because you can't go to any big event and have there not be alcohol or have that not be some type of, you know. Right, kind of the focus oftentimes, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's also nice. The last one actually was a wine-paired dinner, but it was alcohol-free wine, oh, de-alcoholized wines. Yeah. So there were, were, you know, there was a, a uh, bubbly with appetizer, then there was a white, and then a red, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and that was through a brand called Joyous, which a lot of the dealkalized wines just taste like crap. I mean, we'll just be honest. It's like you know, I mean, yeah. it, it's not like it, it's not like the Martinelli stuff because that's like super sweet, uh, but some of it just tastes like you know boring grape juice. But some of you know they they are actually certain vineyards are now dealkalizing some of their wine, and so wow. there are some really nice ones. And the and the Joyous brand was the one that was featured in. Um, in uh, Palm Springs, and and that was very good. Yeah. Um, I oftentimes buy that now, um, but uh, there's always like fancy mocktails oh, or yeah. AF cocktails, um, and so this one I don't think is focused as much on the the wine. But um, mm -hmm. we'll have to see. There'll be fabulous alcohol-free drinks and lots of um, different people are having booths, different groups. Yeah. Um, a talk on sober sex there's <laughs> you yeah. know all kinds and of course they have yoga i'm not a big you know, huge fan of that but mm -hmm. um, different things along, along those lines and i know I, we've talked about your book club on the show before but i didn't know that you guys had gotten a table there yeah. and uh so this is going to be kind of like you said a little bit of business uh yeah. and is it going to be kind of like recruiting spreading the word of your guys's kind of group organization and, and yeah. telling people that they can join if they're interested? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do some online advertising, um, but we did, we actually had a table in, in uh, uh, Palm Springs as well. Mm. <laughs> anyway, um, but it's called the Sober Edge Book Club. Um, and we'll have some, we'll have uh, bookmarks and we're going to have some balloons and some games and prizes and, and nice. things along those lines. And we'll be talking about the, the books that we're reading. And in fact, the book that we are reading this month is called this side of alcohol by Peggy Cooney, who happens to be um, one, one of the, of the people that started yeah. it. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, she's actually going to be on. We have a monthly Zoom where we all talk about the book, but then we also have a private Facebook group where we post throughout, throughout yeah. the month. Um, and we have questions to kind of spur on discussions about the book each week. Um, so this one will be fun because the author will actually be yeah. live on the Zoom. Well, know? that's going to be really cool too because at an event like this, obviously people know who Peggy is and yeah. you're, you're going to be able to you know, talk about that book. I'm sure a lot of uh, her readers are going to be there as well and they're yeah. like, oh, wow, that's really fun and want to come hang out and, and talk to other people about uh, about that book that I've also read it. Yeah, well, I'm sure we can get our copies of the book signed yeah. and probably get some pictures with her. I already have some pictures with her, but it's always good to have more. She's a really fabulous lady. Yeah. So. Well, that's going to be a lot of fun. 3 a.m. Uh, wake up time for the flight over there. 3 3.30, I think. 3.30. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. So that's going to be a tough one. Eh, yeah, I'll, I'll nap somewhere. Somewhere along the line, maybe at the hotel. And then, you know, we get I'll get in there, I think, at like 4.45 their time, which will really be like 1.45 our time, so. Oh, yeah. Wow, yeah. that is a long flight. 
It's not so well, of course, it's not direct. Yeah. Although, so I go to Phoenix, and then it's direct from Phoenix. Yeah. I mean, see, you're lucky. I mean, it's it's really hard to get in in and out of Tucson. Nothing is direct, pretty much. Yeah, but you kind of sign up for that when you move here. <laughs> well, it's true. It's also so easy to get to the airport, though. It's not like it's not like a you know it's a 20, yeah. minute, 20 minute drive and exactly. easy to park and mm-hmm. yeah, I know there's there's pluses and minuses everywhere, I guess. Yeah, so that sounds like fun, and you'll be back. By Tuesday, so we'll still be able to film the next episode and be able to hear about all the crazy partying that's going to take place. There's some crazy partying. <laughs> I, I have to say, I mean, in fact, Friday night, there's ecstatic dance is one of the events. I, I don't even ask because I don't know, but I will be able to tell you what ecstatic dance is. I'm, I'm I just, ready to participate. I feel like there could be a better adjective than, than a static <laughs> dance. A static. Ex- no, ecstatic. Ecstatic, yeah, ecstatic dance. Like, that doesn't... It doesn't excite me, you know? That doesn't sound ecstatic. It's like I would want something like uh, funky dancing or like... Funky isn't the same as ecstatic. I mean... Ecstatic is like out of control. I'm I'm thinking of just people kind of going wild. Mm-hmm. Like they're on ecstasy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like at a rave where you see people just like moving to the dubstep of the of the beats and everything going crazy. Oh, that may well be what it is. I, I Honestly, at this point, now that I'm imagining it, I'm hoping so. Can you imagine your mother doing this? No, no, but I can imagine <laughs> you on the sidelines. Wait a minute. <laughs> I can imagine you on the sidelines uh, enjoying the show and, and taking videos. I'm going to be right there in the thick of it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> well, that sounds like a good time. Um, yeah, awesome. So you got that plan coming up next week or I guess tomorrow and then going into next week. And this week has gone pretty well so far as well. Yeah, this week was great. We actually went to the Sonoida Rodeo twice. Wow, double whammy. It was double whammy. We went Sunday and Monday, um, which was cool. I mean, it's fun because it's a very, it's like a small town rodeo. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, the huge Tucson rodeo. It's more authentic. Yeah, yeah. And it's just not so overwhelming. Um, so that was good, except um, we went back the second day because we wanted to see the bull riding finals, which is always like the last event because everybody wants to see that. So they, you know, they don't want people to leave. So yeah. that has to be the last event. Um, and it was um, different. Um, <laughs> so, well, I learned some things, but um, there was an injury. So, Ooh. yeah. Um, I mean, and you know, I mean, these are this. It's a very dangerous sport. Yeah, I mean, uh, it comes with the territory there. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I've gone to you know, fair, well, probably not that many rodeos, but I always go to the Sonoida Rodeo, and I've never seen like a serious injury. But this was a pretty serious injury. Um, but the thing was, it wasn't actually the bull rider. So the bull rider came out, and it was a pretty crazy bull. Mm-hmm. But you know, these bulls are pretty crazy. It was the jokers that come out. Well, there's a clown, there's a rodeo clown, um, but then there's also what they call bullfighters. And I didn't realize, because somebody was saying that the bullfighter got hurt, and I'm like, well, they're not fighters, they're riders. I mean, you know, bullfighters, I think of like in Spain, you know. Yeah, the the matadors. Yeah, exactly, the matadors and ole and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Um, But I, so I learned the new terminology. There's the clown, you know, who's, who is also, once a person comes off, then you're trying to distract the bull so that they get out of the Mm -hmm. way and everybody's okay and they run the bull back up. Um, but then there's also bullfighters who are people who aren't dressed like clowns, but are still in there trying to distract. And in this situation, um, he was trying to distract the bull. It did a really good job because the bull came after him. Um, but it like slammed him up against the, the gates. Um, and you know, ambulance and paramedics and all of this, but we did find out that he had a a pretty bad fractured leg. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was conscious, um, you know, and able, he was apparently FaceTiming with his family on the, 
<laughs> while he was on the stretcher. So so it sounded like he was going to be okay. Yeah. Um, but pretty dramatic, and that was kind of the end in, end of that. Did you did you witness this, or you just yeah? No, we were, we witnessed. You it. saw him get slammed up and everything. Yeah. Jeez, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 crazy. I don't know how I feel about about um, bull riding and and the matador thing. You know, I know it's kind of like a big culture thing, and I understand it's a sport, and a lot of people are are, are big fans of it. Um, but I always, I don't know, anything with kind of animals and sport like that, I always think it's it's a little cruel. And even if there's a lot of situations where maybe it isn't cruel, um, just in the the way, I mean, with having, like, for example, horse racing, right? Like, yeah. I know a lot of those horses are treated fantastically, but just in the nature of having a sport revolve around animals, there's yeah. going to be that small percentage at least somewhere that isn't as uh, nice. Yeah, no, I agree. And it was, you know, it's, I, I have mixed feelings about it um and and i actually was saying to peter because we were watching the bronco riding yeah um you know and so they get on these you know kind of wild horses um and then they have and i won't use the right terminology because i don't know but it's some sort of cinch under them that is very uncomfortable which is you know making them want to buck it off yeah. and and i said you know i just i don't i don't like this i feel like they're really you know ah, they're you know, putting they're, them in discomfort yeah. so they can you know participate in the sport yeah and, and peter's like well they probably don't love it and i'm like no no, I, think <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a little bit more than just. Like, I know he was kind. Of, he was kind of trying to minimize it. That it was like, well, it's probably a little bit uncomfortable. I'm like, no, it's actually probably not a little bit uncomfortable. Because yeah. if it was just a little bit uncomfortable, they wouldn't be like bucking like crazy to get it off of them. Yeah, so it has to be a lot uncomfortable. They really want that thing off. So anyway, we have you know we don't totally agree on these things. Um, so yeah, but it does. It makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, the bulls, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they don't like like it either. But I always feel like they've got a better shot at it. And this one definitely won this time. I tell you. Yeah, yeah, and it's like you said, it's kind of the nature of the sport. Um, just that the injuries are possible because of, of how dangerous Pretty it is. Likely. I mean, we, uh, the other thing we said was that it's actually shocking that people don't get really hurt more often. Yeah. I mean, you're getting on these just crazy, pissed off, huge mm-hmm. animals yeah. um, and pissing them off. And, you know, and then when you fall off, Jeez. Yeah, well, I feel like, I mean, you got your money's worth then, at least, you know. <laughs> it's going to be a good show regardless. It's the finals, but wow, did not expect that. Well, and actually, we got in free because uh, thanks to Kim FM, they gave us uh, free passes as nice. yeah well, as advertisers. So sounds like go. a pretty good weekend overall. It was a, it was a busy weekend, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. very busy weekend. Well, and then packing because I'm a nutcase when it comes to packing, so that's been taking up all my mm-hmm. time. But but how about you? You had some fun this weekend, yeah. Labor Day weekend. Did a little bit of a staycation. Um, there's this one resort that me and Christina had gone to in the past and it has a lazy river as well as like a mini golf course that goes not through the hotel, but you know, it's kind of like a water park, right? Where there's a bunch of pools and then the lazy river goes all the way around and the mini golf course kind of goes through all of those, those things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so we went there and, and stayed two nights, but then ended up getting a third because we were really vibing out, enjoying ourselves, wanted to get the, you know, bang for a buck. Um, Spent many hours in the Lazy River. Wow. Uh, First time I haven't been disgustingly sunburned going. Oh, yeah, you're Uh, not sunburned. Yeah, which... Did you put on sun lotion, Yes, I put on a lot of sunscreen and reapplied. Wow, was Uh, was this kind of uh, at at Christina's urging? Yes, yes. (laughs) Having someone uh, kind of help me be responsible with that is a big big benefit there. Um, Overall, Thank you, Christina. 
Yes, yes. Um, a lot of fun. They have a nice little barbecue place, which is actually pretty solid. They have um, like slow roasted pork and, and, and wow. brisket and all that. So that was good. And got room service and whole shebang. Uh, but and now, Bruno got to go. I and was... Bruno got to go. Yeah, we were kind of nervous about it because, um, you know, my roommate would watch Bruno, but He's, he's just whenever whenever I leave and I'm gone for a while, I always hear he gets really depressed. You know, I'm he sure. just sleeps all day. Or he sleeps by the couch or sleeps by the door. You know, doesn't really move around Waiting too much. Waiting for you. <laughs> Waiting for me. Yeah, really only gets up to pee or, or, or eat, um, which is kind of how he does how he lives now, but not as depressingly. <laughs> he's a little happier about getting up to go pee and getting up to go eat. <laughs> Um, more energetic yeah well but i mean also thinking you're going away for a holiday weekend hanging out at a resort and he's at home i don't you know i I don't know there's this one family guy episode that i always wondered if it was the truth where um brian like uh, peter dies or something and stewie has to go to brian it's like oh yeah peter died and he's like okay when is he coming back like no he's dead yeah no he dies every time he leaves to work like every time he leaves the house, he's dead. And but then he's like he he's back alive when he comes. So this back is a dog, door. I guess. It's not, dog, not yeah. Me. Brian and Family Guy, you know the talking dog. Oh, I didn't watch Family Guy. Oh my goodness! All well, right. he's a talking dog, and he thinks that every time someone leaves the house, that's them dying. But then oh. when they walk back in there, he's like, oh, they're alive. You know, they oh, come back. So to when life. somebody really does die, he yeah just thinks that they will still come back. Well, and I wonder if if Bruno, you know, when we leave or dogs when we leave, are like, oh, they're dead until they're not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I, I was worried when we were going on like really long trips if they were thinking they've abandoned me. Yeah. But then people say that that animals are like so in the present moment, and you know, I mean, then maybe they don't realize she's been gone for two weeks or she's been gone for three days. Maybe they're just like, oh, she's not here today. Maybe she'll be here in, tonight. Yeah, I, I think I think part of that's true. But then you see like the clips of um, marine veterans or veterans coming back from war and the dogs getting super excited. So they definitely have to have kind of like a sense of time of how long it's been since they've seen. Well, except that you also see people walking in the door and the dogs are equally as excited when you've just been gone for eight hours. So, That's true. So I don't know. I mean, when they see this Marine at the airport, I'm kind of seeing those videos too, and it's very heartwarming and you're like, yeah. oh. But, but do they act that way on a day-to-day well, basis? You're like, are they like, oh shit, he's been gone two years? Or yeah. just they're just like, hey, I haven't seen you since yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like I forgot. Wow, holy heck. But they definitely remember you, so that's good. Well, anyways, we should probably get on to the main topic. Something legal. Yeah. Legal. Um, good place to start. Updates on cases. Let's okay. Get into it. So update. Um, we talked a couple of weeks ago. I think well, I don't know when it was, but uh, not too long ago about some of the nurse those nursing pillows and how babies were dying because they were left to sleep on them. Um, and there have been like 162 baby deaths. Jesus. Yeah, but then, you know the horseshoe shaped yeah. pillows, and everybody has them. I mean, if you have a baby, it's on your registry. You've got at least a couple of them. And so what, what was happening with the babies? Right, they were kind of like falling over into like the crab and suffocating, right? Well, yeah, I mean, a variety of ways, but, but they, they were being left on them to sleep and they're yeah. very dangerous to sleep on. And so, um, and the manufacturers were saying, well, there's nothing wrong with these things. They're only, they're not meant to be 
you're not supposed to leave a baby alone on it. It's not supposed to sleep on it. It's supposed to be used while you're nursing, while a parent is there. Yeah. Um, and so, but but because there's been so much in the news about it and so many deaths, um, they, the CPSC, Consumer Product Safety Commission, has recommended um, the first federal requirements to make them safer and to discourage people from leaving babies on them. Um, and so a couple of, that involves a couple of things. They want them to be made more firm because they're kind of squishy now. Yeah. So they want it to be more firm so they're not as appealing to lie a baby on and also... <laughs> They're not as appealing to put a baby well, on. Well, you know, it's, if it's not something soft and squishy, like, you know, lay a baby on a board. I mean, well, that's Exactly. Not... But that's kind of a selling point, too, is you want to give them something that you're like, oh, the baby will be comfortable now. Well, but, but that's just, you don't want the baby to be comfortable. This is, this is to make, oh. this is supposed to be uh, to, for the parent to be more comfortable holding the baby in a certain position. Oh, so it's not even nurse. for the baby to be comfortable. It's for the parent to kind of be able to. Well, yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be uncomfortable. They're nursing, presumably. <laughs> but, but it can't be so comfortable that you want. a wood to... that's right underneath <laughs> you. I mean, like, yeah. They can make it out of not even material, but um, yeah, but, but they don't want it to be so cushy that you just leave a baby in it to sleep like it's a pillow, yeah, right? It does look very comfy, it does look comfy, and you can just put your head in I would in, head pass in out in minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you did, but I had them, <laughs> yeah. Um, here I am. Luckily, I, I did. I, I don't, I don't know if I ever left you alone on them. I mean, it wasn't something that I was aware of, and um, clearly, if I did, you, you, you know. Maybe you, know, I, you survived, yeah. survived the pillow. But um, so, so they want to make them really firm so that, that they're not tempting that way. And then also that U-shaped thing um, wide enough that, you know, a baby wouldn't kind of get trapped in that, that, that uh, the U-shaped opening there. Yeah. So, um, and then also they want to have bigger warning labels on them that can't be taken off so that every time you pick up the damn thing, it says, don't leave your baby on this. Yeah. Um, I mean, probably wouldn't technically be to say that, but anyway, so so they are looking at whether they are going to adopt these regulations, and then all of these will have to um, comply with that. Um, and of course, I'm you know I'm, I'm sure that that the industry there are going to be people arguing about it. And of course, yeah. the argument that they've made in the past is just you know these things. If you use them as you're supposed to use them, they're not dangerous. Yeah. You know, but again, I mean, just gut. You see this soft, cozy thing. You're they fall asleep while they're nursing. You just set them down on yeah. it. I mean, you can see how people. do Well, that. and that's the thing is that it's it goes back to is it reasonable to assume someone would use it this way? Um, I think I think that's yeah. I, I think that's probably how everybody uses them. Yeah. Um, but 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 obviously, I mean, there's a lot of babies that have died. 162 that that's we know lot. of. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, and there's a ton of these things out there. There's like one point over 1.3 million of them floating around out there, or, or, or actually that they're so annually what am i saying 1.3 million every year so who knows how many million are out there and it's all different brands right because i'm assuming well, they're all, yeah they're all multiple brands yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but it's this type of product in general that is going to be getting these yeah the nursing the the those horseshoe shaped yeah. nursing pillows and i'm sure well i wouldn't just say horseshoe shape but any of the nursing pillows will have to fit comply with these standards yeah um so they are going to get some feedback and then just determine whether they will institute these rules and they're saying that their a decision will probably come out likely come out in the next month or so wow so we'll definitely update on that um and, and we have talked about these in the past, and certainly anybody who has these, you know, just just certainly be careful. Um, I mean, 
Yikes. And what was the entity that's that's bringing up these issues or like forcing these ex- uh, new um, Well, the Consumer Product Safety Commission okay. Um, okay. Has, has, has raised this issue. And it came, you know, there were a bunch of news stories recently when the, the numbers came out about just how many deaths there had been and how yeah. dangerous these were. Um, and that, I think, kind of spurred them on to say, hey, maybe we need to set some regulations on these. Um, and so we'll see in the next month or so if they're going to going to do that. That's mm. good that they've recognized that it's a problem and, you know, taking active steps to mm-hmm. fix it and prevent it from happening yeah. again. And it seems like they're going pretty fast with it. I mean, within a month that they're getting kind of this. Is, it, yeah, it wasn't that long ago that, that I mean, but, but I mean, there have been reports in the past. Yeah. But then there was, you know, a big news story when they mm-hmm. came up and realized just how many recently. Um, but I mean, it's just, I mean, with that many of them out there, when you yeah. think about it, I mean, 1.3 a year, um, and then a lot of these are again, you know, reused, given to people, resold, yeah. all of that. Um, I mean, they're just, they're out there. Yeah. And, and children, especially babies are kind of, a, a obviously a sore point in just society in general. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's why I like D.A.R.E. was so big. It was to protect our children. Our yeah. children are being poisoned, right? Yeah. Um, they have to get old enough to be poisoned. Uh, yeah, yeah. And with this, so it kind of makes sense that they're moving a little bit faster than, than usual, it seems, um, with this specifically. It's uh, it's always crazy to me. And I never, I mean, I don't have that much experience with babies, but I never really fully realized just how, like, incapable they are at like such a oh, young... Oh, yeah. I mean, they can't pick their heads up if you set them down and their, yeah, their they nose f- or mouth are covered. They can't move their neck to pick it up. Or if they breathe. just like roll over, like, you know, something like that, they just can't do anything. That's, yeah. that's insane. I mean, I just never really thought of it that way but yeah they are just kind of defensive yeah, human babies i mean when awesome. you think about it I and mean, then you look at like some of these animals i mean like you know the giraffe it like plops out you yeah. know in the <laughs> and, the, and it gets <laughs> and, running and the right away it stands up and it walks over yeah. and starts eating grass <laughs> <laughs> Like just any other day, right, right back to business. <laughs> but like most animals, are, you know, yeah. they can at least walk and run and, and that sort of escape yeah. um, right after they're born. But yeah, definitely not human human babies. Babies are just defenseless, just balls of meat and roll around. And... <laughs> well, uh, that's that's good that uh, actions are being taken and, and on... Um... They're pushing forward. They're pushing forward quicker than, than usual. Yeah. Um, what other what other types of updates have we? Um, well, one, one other update. So um, the Boy Scout sex abuse cases, um, that was a bankruptcy case. And those were, well, the, the, the bankruptcy filing date has long since passed. Um, but there was a lot of delay in getting, in, in, basically getting the bankruptcy approved and starting the process whereby the claimants would get paid. So finally now the portal is open for inputting additional inputting additional information for the claimants, um, although there's no indication as far as when the payments are going to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I, I'd like to next week maybe get into a little bit more detail on that um, because that, that could be a whole, a whole topic really. Um, although it's not something, you know, again, it's not something that somebody can come and make a claim now. These claims had to be made back in 2019 and 2020. Um, And so so at this point, they're just distributing um, amongst the claimants who have already submitted claims. Um, But it was a big delay, um, very frustrating for a lot of people. But at least, you know, the good news is it's finally moving. And hopefully we will see payments, um, you know, in the not too distant future. Um, and I did notice also, it was kind of an interesting timing on this, that Netflix has a documentary coming out, I think it's today or tomorrow, um, called Scout's Honor. 
and it's a documentary specifically about um, the sex abuse cases within really? the Boy Scouts and how, um, how how there was a lot of knowledge about what was going on, mm-hmm. and these troop leaders were just moved, you know, to to other states um, and Jesus. other other councils, and um, how you know really this abuse was pretty rampant and mm-hmm. and should have been stopped. Um, a long time ago. So um, I, I have not obviously seen it yet, um, but just the trailer kind of brings tears to your eyes. I mean, it's, and, and, and from, uh, from just talking to clients, um, we do represent a number of people in this litigation. Um, it's, I mean, the, the stories were just devastating, yeah. really devastating. And, and it's, I mean, it's just so shocking too, because when I was growing up, um, Boy Scouts was just so big. You know, like yeah. it was, it was pretty cool. Kids would come in their in their full uniforms when they yeah, had badges, like, their and badges, and everything. And I'd be like, stuff. "Holy yeah. shit, this guy's a badass! <laughs> this guy's a badass!" Um, but to hear, you know, obviously all this this entire situation as a whole is it's awful. And um, one good thing about Netflix is I think they do a really good job of creating um, documentaries and series about these type of topics to bring like light to it. Um, because, you know, I think a lot of people wouldn't have heard about this and wouldn't have found out about it unless they were in Boy Scouts or if they were in some, you know, similar type of organization and then they just so happen to see it online or something like that. Uh, but there's a lot of people that just aren't familiar with that type of stuff at all. And so, you know, shows and organizations like Netflix putting this out, it's, it's, it's good. I think it brings a lot of light to the problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm definitely interested in watching it. It'll be a really hard thing to watch. Yeah. Um, but but I think important and, you know, and, and obviously just having been involved in this, um, you know, it's pretty pretty personal to me. So. And so when you mentioned that we don't know when uh, the claimants will start getting their payouts. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing. This has taken a lot longer than anybody thought it would originally, but there was a lot of objections to the settlement and just a lot of moving parts because it was not just the the uh, BSA, the Boy Scouts of America itself, um, but there were also like the local councils mm-hmm. and there were a variety of insurance companies. Some of the churches were sponsors um, and would have the meetings at, you know, um, at their churches. Um, so there were all kinds of, of other parties that were yeah. involved. And then just like what the Boy Scouts had, because so when they filed bankruptcy, um, they liquidate their assets. But their assets, a lot of these were, 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 were property, were, you know, these huge you know, places where they were camping. And a lot of um, these were donated to them. Oh. Um, and then there's like restrictions on, on land donations. Yeah. And so, you know, can you liquidate them? Can you not? There was like tons of like, like Norman Rockwell artwork. I mean, just, uh, you know, all kinds of crazy things that had to be valued and, um, and liquidated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but the insurance, the insurance companies fought a lot about whether and how much they should have to pay, um, and, you know, so it was a lot messier than I think people thought going into it. So it's taken a really long time. Um, and there's, um, 82,000 claimants. Wow. And so this is the other thing too. Um, it, it, that is, it's a huge number, but I will tell you that there have to be just probably a hundred times that, that, yeah. that people, because people, this is not the kind of thing where people come forward. I was going to say 82,000. I mean, that's a large number, but compared to how big Boy Scouts have been and have how long it's been ongoing. I mean, it's like tens of millions of kids have gone through that system 
And with something like this, where it seems very systematical, this mm -hmm. issue and how, uh, like you said, troop leaders were just kind of pushed around to different areas and not, right. it, the issue wasn't really Rooming dealt with. and just, and yeah, and re repeat offenders. Yeah, sure. with all, all that in mind, 82,000 does sound a little bit low. Well, it, it, it I, we know it's low because first of all, in any kind of sex abuse case, mm -hmm. oftentimes it doesn't get reported, but, but uh, male on male of all things, yeah. rarely gets reported. And then this has also been going on, you know, for so many years. I mean, I have clients that are in their 70s and, and people who have passed Jesus. away, um, people who have committed suicide. I mean, there's just an unbelievable... I, I, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is that if 82,000 people were willing to come forward and speak to somebody about this, you know that that, that is just a drop in the yeah, bucket. tip of the iceberg there. Absolutely, because this is not an easy thing. Mm -hmm. It is really not an easy thing to come forward and report. And these are people that they respected, that they looked up to, yeah. um, you know, oftentimes parent figures. Um, and so, and it was very confusing, I mean, for, for a lot of them. So, so I, you know, it was a huge, huge issue. So I'm mean, definitely looking forward to seeing how Netflix, um, addresses it. Yeah. And then, uh, so with, with the payout to the claimants, I know you mentioned, you know, we don't know how long it is. Is that something where if you are a claimant, you just kind of have to wait and see, and they'll say something when that time comes or, you well, know, they'll announce something? Well, no, you know, there's, there, there's a whole process and, and we've already discussed this with the clients. Um, and, you know, there is a tiering system. There are different categories um, where they say this was what we, we think the value of the claim is with yeah. some mitigating or aggravating factors. But but we know that there's not enough money to pay the full value of all of the claims. Yeah. So what they have to do is they have to get all 82,000 in, figure out the value of all of the claims combined, mm -hmm. and then take that to the pot of money, the yeah. settlement trust fund, and divide that and say, okay, now what percentage do you know does everybody get? And maybe everybody gets 10% of the value of their claim. Maybe they get 5%, maybe they get 25%. So until they look at every one of the 82,000 mm -hmm. claims, nobody can know. Yeah, I think we talked about this last week, too. So it, it's as fair as it can get, right? So it's if there's only a certain amount of money in the pot, it's not going to be first come, first serve. Obviously, that'd be insane. Oh, right. No, yeah, yeah. No, uh, I think we talked about that in another context. But yeah, the yeah, same thing. Exactly. I mean, it, they have to figure out the full value of all of the cases and then how much money, mm -hmm. you know, based on the amount of money we have, what percentage can we pay people? And so it may be a very small percentage of the value of their claims. Claims, but until they look at them, they don't know, you know, how many of the claims are, you know, very severe or less severe that, you know, they just, they don't know. And so, you know, evaluating 82,000 claims is going to take a long time. Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder what the process is like that on the back end. I mean, already this is such a, an awful topic, but 82,000 claims and you have to go through them and you have to categorize them and go through all the details and then put dollar amounts and percentages to everything. I mean, the amount of time that must take, but also the manpower and kind of like the emotional energy. Exactly. I was going to say, I, you know, I mean, and just there were some where, in fact, I can remember we were on a trip when the deadline was coming up. Um, we, Peter and I were in Sedona and um, I was doing some some final calls. People had called kind of close to the deadline on the phone and going through that and getting the cases filed or the claims filed. And I mean, there was I, I remember one time I just I came in, I was I was actually sitting outside and I came in and I was just and he was like, oh, my God, are you OK? And I said, no, I just I, I need you to hug me right now. This is, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it was and I'm just getting chills thinking about it. 
Um, so the people who are actually going to have to be doing this full time, day yeah. after day after day, reading these stories, mm-hmm. um, I cannot imagine. And now there's a company that's been hired to do this, and they are going through specialized training. And um, the trustee was on a call the other evening, specifically saying that it was a company that already had like trauma informed training. Yeah. Um, but they were also going to get some additional training specific to this case. But yeah, I mean, I cannot imagine, you know, I mean, just, you know, one story a day was pretty devastating mm-hmm. or a couple, you know, where there was a period of weeks where we were talking maybe to, to two or three people a day, <clears throat> each of us. Was, um, but, but still, you know, I just, I can't, I don't know. It'd be hard, yeah. but, but I mean, it needs to happen and, 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 you know, and, and people need to know about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need to be compensated to the best that they can and at least recognized, you know. Um, and, and part of what, and actually I guess we won't talk about this next week because we really I would just <laughs> drove right in here. Yeah. But, but part, of, um, part of the settlement and what was so important to many of the claimants is that the Boy Scouts, not only are they going to pay what they can pay, uh, pay everything they have, but they are changing their policies mm-hmm. and they are making, uh, they're putting a whole process to really protect boys going forward in, in, in the system mm-hmm. and ensure that this kind of thing never happens again. Yeah. Um, and that's really what I can tell you that a lot of my clients said was, you know, I, w- I don't ever want anybody else to go through what I went through. Yeah. And so by coming forward and telling their stories and, and taking a stand, um, that helps. And yeah. so that was, that was, you know, a, a big thing for some of them, just, you know, what I know I might not get much money and no amount of money is going to change what happened to me, but I do want to come forward and say, this did happen to me and yeah. this can't happen to others. So, um, I have a lot of respect for that. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine how difficult it must be. And, uh, for something like this, where it is kind of a systematic issue and there needs to be these, these barriers and these rules put in place to prevent it from happening. None of those can come to be without someone speaking up and without yeah. a, a large portion of people speaking up and going through that, um, kind of difficult experience of, of, doing that, you know, to, to speaking up and reaching out to someone because that's, that's massive. Um, and it's, it's so crazy to me that something like this can exist for so long mm-hmm. and continue, you know, and, and with the troop leaders being moved around, it almost reminds me of like oh, the Catholic church, the diocese. Yeah. yeah. Well, even like also cops where it's like, they do something bad and obviously it's a completely different area, but, um, you know, they do something bad and they go on a paid suspension and they get moved to another another department in another state or another town or something yeah. like that. I, think, I mean, that kind of thing can certainly happen, I think, in any industry. In business, any industry. Kind of but Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, and then also just how many donors there were, like the fact that the church was involved. And I wonder how deep this really goes because, um, you know, only so much. I'm sure, like you said, with even the victims, it's a tip of the iceberg. I'm assuming with, like, the amount of issues and, and knowledge, people that had knowledge and kind of pushed under the rug, mm-hmm. That's also probably just the tip of the iceberg of, of that. Oh, level. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. So, Well, that's good that they are doing things to prevent it from ever happening again. Um, you know, I know the Boy Scout organization, it's it's not a bad organization. Um, I know that there's... It is, there's great things about yeah, it. There's yeah. absolutely great things about it. Um, and it's a lifeline for some kids. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's it's. I know um, even with like some of my friends back in the day, like I said, like it was one of the, that was their proudest yeah. thing, right? I mean, like it's it like was, very structure. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it's 
So, so the, the Boy Scouts is going forward, mm-hmm. um, you know, and with some big changes in place. So that's, I guess, a positive. Yeah. Sure. Well, appreciate the update on that. I mean, I think that's a really important topic. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll just kind of continue to get updates. And hopefully the claimants will get their um, payout sooner rather than later. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll watch the documentary and see what you think yeah. about it. Next week. Yeah, we can discuss Homework. You have homework. (laughs) Uh, I I am interested to see it because this is a case that you've talked to me about a decent amount um, and to see kind of more in detail and and kind of – I'm sure there's going to be a lot of sides to it that Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. I haven't heard quite yet. Um, Going on, though, cases that we are currently handling. Okay. Well, so the the general category that we're going to talk about is mal- medical malpractice, but we're going to talk about a, kind of a specific situation and a very narrow area of it because there is it, it's just a huge topic that we could probably talk show after show on. Um, but the the way that this came up is that actually a colleague of Peter's reached out to me. Um, and because he knows I'm an attorney and I handle a lot of like device cases and that sort of thing, I, I, um, you know, medical malpractice as well. Um, and he was telling me about a situation and it really reminded me a lot of the, the leg saver cases that we were talking about with those arthrectomies where they were doing, uh, the doctors were doing just multiple procedures on somebody that had little, if any benefit, um, and telling them that, Hey, if you don't do this procedure, you might lose your leg. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they were ultimately getting, having amputations, losing their leg because of the problems with these procedures. Um, but it was a money-making situation and the, the drug companies were making a lot of money and the doctors were making a ton of money because yeah. these were cases that they, they were procedures that could happen outside of the hospital setting. So they're opening up their own practices yes. just to do those procedures. Exactly. Exactly. So it's a little bit different, but, but it, but, but it really reminded me of that. So what he was to, and, and he had just recently published, um, a, an article about it. Um, and so this is a situation, uh, cardiology, of course, because that's, <laughs> that's what Peter does. And that's what we know. Um, but it's a procedure that um, we used to call it angioplasty with stenting, but the official term is PCI of CTO, which is percutaneous coronary intervention of chronic total occlusion. Yeah, I've heard of that. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> seriously, seriously doubt it. Um, but so basically what it is, is it's where an artery, so so you know that your arteries can get blocked mm-hmm. um, and people go in and they will clear them out or they'll put stents in, right? They open them up. Mm-hmm. So there, it can be a partial blockage and you, know, you go out and you've got that plaque and you remove it. Yeah. But then there can be, also be a total blockage. And this is an issue where somebody wants to go in and open up a total blockage. The problem with that is that it's super risky and it's questionably beneficial mm-hmm. because once it's been blocked, and especially if it's chronic, so say more than three months, the tissue on the other side is probably yeah. already dead. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, there are exceptions where they can have um, what they call collateral um, uh uh, like somehow the, the the blood still gets around. They open up collateral arteries, and so the the tissue doesn't fully die, um, which kind of then makes it unnecessary. Well, and can I ask real quick mm-hmm. too? Is I, I've heard of this, right? Like stints in, in arteries and whatnot. But when I imagine veins and arteries, they're tiny, like tiny, tiny things. Like how how are you actually able to open up a vein or an artery? And, and put stints in it. I mean, isn't it? Well, it's the same thing like with those arthrectomies where you're, you're putting, um, I mean, you're going in, in there, um, 
with like the little lasers and uh, the little knives and yeah. yeah. I mean, you're not cutting through them. Yeah. I mean, you're going like up in through uh, your artery through like, actually, <laughs> I don't know exactly, <laughs> but I know that <laughs> I'll have to get Peter on here, but I mean, you can go up like through your femoral artery and then get into the other veins from there. So yeah, yeah it's with a catheter. It's not, um, you, you know, you're not cutting in, you're going in like with a catheter. Oh, okay. So because I was also going to ask, you know, if you're going into the artery to clear up that blockage in, um, in my head, it was, you know, you cut it open and you No, you're sending, out. yeah, you're sending um, like a catheter up, okay. up in there. Yeah. So very similar to those arthrectomy situations. Okay. And then you're clearing it out. But Jesus. then to try to go in and actually do fully open it is super, super risky. Sounds serious. I mean, uh, and I'm assuming, you know, with arteries being total blockage, like you could lose limbs, right? I mean, if... So so when, sometimes people don't even have symptoms, but they, you know, or they're going in for an angiogram and they actually just kind of find this. They find some other um, areas, maybe partial blockages, which you're going to, you know, you can open those with a stent. Um, but then this other situation wouldn't even necessarily need to need any treatment, probably, you know, may not be causing any problem. And yet you see it it's something that could be fixed. Yeah. And so the doctor's like, hey, you know, you've got this total blockage, we need to open it up. Um, the problem is that they're not saying, well, maybe they are, but they we should, what they should be saying to, to the patient is, um, here's the risks, including death, okay, of this procedure. And then here's the benefits. And the problem is that the benefits are probably negligible. Yeah. In fact, um, it's uh, the... Um, it's actually, let me see, then this was something Peter had brought up too. So the American Card College of Cardiology classifies procedures in different ways. Um, and they have like the, let's see how it goes, classified as, um, you know, class one, class two, class three, and then there's like A and Bs. So this one is classified as a 2B procedure. And, and so, so what are, yeah, what, how do the levels work here? So what, two, well, what 2B means is, well, so, so class one is going to be, um, it's, uh, the benefit is much better, much greater than the risk. Then yeah. class two is moderate. Um, class three is weak. Um, and so the class two B, the way that they explain it is it, it's a the recommendation is weak and it says it may or might be reasonable. And the usefulness effectiveness is unknown, unclear, uncertain, or not well-established. <laughs> why is that even, why are you even allowed to do it? Right. Then? Well, that, and, and that's that's the problem. Yeah. So if somebody tells you, okay, here's this procedure we think you should have, it might kill you. Yeah. And it might be reasonable to do it. You know, the usefulness or effectiveness is unknown, unclear, you know. I mean, you're not going to do it. Yeah. Um, so, so that's just a it just is just crazy to me, um, and I think that what happens is or, or kind of the area of medical malpractice this goes to is is um, informed consent. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, a patient has to have informed consent to undergo a procedure, and so they have to understand the risks and the benefits. And I just cannot believe that you know six hundred thousand patients are being told this. Yeah. And still agreeing to it. So is that the idea? Is that they aren't being told that that the benefits well, I don't are? I think they are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it may be in fine print on whatever they sign, yeah. but I mean, I think the doctors are telling them we recommend that you do this, mm -hmm. um, and it's a closed artery, and we can open it up, and 
um, and, and that, that it's going to help you. I mean, I can't imagine that, I just can't imagine somebody is agreeing to it if they're not being told that it's going to help them. And and could it be also that some of these doctors just disagree with that? Like the, in their mind from what they've seen, that they have seen a lot of benefit or that they do think it would be really good and that's what they tell tell. Yeah, I mean, they can, but I mean, that we go back to the American College of Cardiology is the one that classified this. So sure, I mean, they can say, well, in my experience, I've helped all these people, um, but did you really help them? You know? uh, It's unknown. Right, right. So anyway, um, I I was pretty outraged to to hear about that. Um, And yeah, he said that that a lot of, um, you know, the conferences and conventions he goes to, these doctors are up there talking about doing this procedure. And it's very frustrating to him because he's like, you know, hey, uh, you know, what are you doing? Uh, How is it, you know... how are you helping these people and you're putting them at risk? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I thought it was kind of, it was kind of interesting. And certainly if somebody had undergone a procedure with a bad outcome, um, and they didn't know this, that would be a good legal case. Yeah. Um, and you know, the sad thing too, is that like with that New York times article, um, until people, until either reporters start investigating and reporting about this, until there's lawsuits and it gets in the news and doctors get basically punished financially, yeah. the insurance companies get involved, um, until that happens, things don't change. Yeah. Um, and so I think that was partly why he had kind of reached out to me. Um, I don't, I, I don't have any clients who've come to me before this telling me they had this problem, but it was something I wanted to research. We put a blog out on it, um, you know, and and certainly if somebody has undergone this procedure, they should get in touch with an attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you would need an attorney within in the state that you reside in. However, um, we could certainly help you find somebody if... Um, um, if you're not in Arizona and you've had the situation, but and again, not not just this one, not just this particular procedure. I mean, this is one that we know is high risk and low benefit. But um, you know, if you've had a procedure and you've had a bad outcome, um, you know, how much information did you have? I mean, yeah. were you given adequate information to make a good decision? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you know, like in those other cases in that article, um, those patients were not given accurate information. Yeah. And so it may be after the fact, and, and you know, and and, and that kind of goes to. <laughs> I've had a lot of rant about this, but, but, you know, so you go through this heart procedure, you have a bad outcome or, you know, your loved one dies and the doctor's like, well, that was a risk of the procedure. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's always a risk of the procedure, but you didn't know that the benefits weren't there or yeah, it might have not been necessary in the that, first that maybe place. You shouldn't, yeah, exactly. You shouldn't have even been in there in the first place. It was yeah. a potentially unnecessary surgery. Um, and so, uh, you know, a lot of people are just like, oh, okay. Um, we knew that was a possibility, mm-hmm. but maybe it shouldn't have happened. And so, and you can only pursue this as a case if there was a negative outcome or some type of, of harmful effect from getting that surgery. You can't pursue it if there wasn't nothing. Because in my mind, I would be pissed just knowing that, you know, I was either lied to or misinformed or information was left out. I was told that this would be something really important, that I needed to get it done or that it would help a lot. When actually there's no proof that it would help. There's no proof that, you know, it would improve my condition at all. 
And, you know, maybe they had to take weeks off of work. Maybe they were bedridden for a week or two weeks and maybe they had to miss a life family events, right? So those have value in my mind. And yeah, no, there, there is value. And technically you still do have a, if you underwent an unnecessary surgery, I mean, you had financial costs, you had yeah. pain and suffering exactly. going through it. You had time off work, all of those things. Yeah. So yeah, you do have a case. Um, and it, you know, it just depends on, you know, again, medical malpractice cases are very expensive to prosecute. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes I've had people who have come and said, you know, here's the situation. I'm like, yes, that should not have happened to you. Um, however, um, you know, and luckily they're there talking to me. And so the, the end result was not too horrendous. Um, we look at what it's going to cost to litigate the case versus what they can potentially recover. And there are some situations where it's going to cost as much or more than yeah. the value of the case. Wow. And so that would not be and it would not be the ideal route. And an attorney cannot do that. They're going to lose money in addition to their time. Yeah. Why is it so expensive? Is it because these doctors are being represented by, you know, hospital councils and, and things along those lines? Or? Well, partially. But the issue is that in a medical malpractice case, you have to hire an expert witness mm. to say that what was done wrong. And expert yeah. witnesses do not come cheap. Yeah. You know, and so you're going to hire, pay for them to evaluate the case. You're going to pay for them to testify and deposition. You're going to pay, you're going to have to depose the other side's witnesses. It's just, it, it is a very expensive process. Um, so sometimes a lawsuit, you know, again, if you had a horrendous injury, absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, the value of your case is significantly more than what it's going to cost. Mm -hmm. But, um, if you had a relatively good outcome, it may not make sense financially, but I always tell people, I mean, that's not the only route. I mean, they can make a, make a complaint against the doctor with their board of medical examiners. Yeah. Um, there are other things that you can do um, if, if something has happened and a lawsuit isn't the right yeah. route. Um, and, and so, you know, in, in reality, I would I mean, you get a lot of medical malpractice calls and very few of them. Well, first of all, very few of them are viable cases because not every bad outcome means that a doctor was negligent. Um, and then even if, if there, it looks like the doctor potentially was negligent, then are the damages sufficient to justify the case? Yeah. So it's, it's a complicated area. I mean, and, and um, yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough area. It definitely sounds like a tough area. And it, it makes even more sense in those situations to reach out, even if you've only just gotten like you, you had the, the procedure, but you don't, weren't sure if there's any uh, negative effects or the negative effects that you had, you weren't sure if they will be reasonable enough or large enough for it to make sense to yeah. pursue a case like this. But that's why it makes sense to reach out to a lawyer because then they can yeah. kind of make that, that, um, give you their opinion on it. Right. I mean, I think it always makes sense to reach out. Um, if you feel like something was wrong, sometimes it, it, it turns out that it wasn't. In fact, just recently, um, we, uh, there was an inquiry on one of the listservs I'm on, and it was a situation involving an ICD, um, a pacemaker. Um, and that's exactly something that, that Peter does. And so he looked at the records and evaluated the case and, and said, hey, you know, here's exactly what happened. Um, here's how the pacemaker was said. It did not malfunction. There wasn't malpractice. Um, you know, and he is very honest. He'll say yeah. yes or no. But he looked at that and he said, no, it was a very unfortunate thing, but nothing was done wrong by the doctor mm -hmm. um, and the device didn't malfunction. And yeah. so he could let that attorney know that that wasn't a good case for them to pursue. And then also... The, 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 the family, hopefully they're relieved because they say, okay, this really 
couldn't have come out differently. This, yeah. you know, it's not that somebody screwed up. Um, this just happened, and it can be a bit of a comfort yeah. um, to know that. Yeah. Um, because again, if if you find out that you have a medical malpractice case, um, that's just it's devastating. I mean, yes, maybe you get money in the end, but but you know that your loved one shouldn't have died, and someone's awful. specifically responsible for yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, that must be it. Must be a terrible feeling. I mean, I yeah. haven't personally experienced that, but I, it's almost like the, the being told that nothing went wrong might be more comforting. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, so 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 for that reason, again, hey, if you think that something, you know, if you have a question, if you just don't know, I mean, it's worth finding out. And I'm surprised this isn't getting more attention um, just in the medical community as, as a whole, because with how many, how often this case is, or not this case, but the surgery is being done, um, you and, and how clearly it's said that it's unknown if it actually has any benefits, I feel like people would look at that and be like, okay, what, like, obviously this doesn't make sense. Obviously something's wrong here. Yeah. Well, so that's the thing is there are, and, and just in, I, I knew the one doctor who had just published a, um, uh, uh, a study on it or, or sorry, an article on it. Um, and so then I just Googled and there are multiple other people who have written about this problem saying Good. that it's yeah. questionable. And so actually we'll throw those up. Those were in the blog, the links to three of the studies I just pulled. There are more. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, there are a number of publications that are addressing this issue. So it's known. And again, the more of these uh, these publications saying this, this procedure is very risky and potentially not so beneficial, the stronger a case you're going to have, um, you know, it's just, it's going to make it you know, yeah. <laughs> a, a lot clearer, a lot easier to, to pursue. Yeah. So that makes sense. I, I think these medical malpractice cases are, are really interesting because it's something where, uh, you know, doctors, they're an authoritative figure. They're a trusted member yeah. of community. They're, they're looked up upon and, and praised in a lot yeah. of in gods lot of in some cultures, yeah, you know, it, and they think they're gods. Some, some of them, not all of them. Yeah. And then <laughs> to have a case like this where, um, you know, some of them are, are knowingly doing something that they know isn't in the best interest of their patient. And maybe it's an ego boost. And it sounds like from those conventions, almost like flexing on other doctors. About, Look how good <laughs> I, I am. Do. Yeah, it's, uh, it's shocking. And I think it kind of um, disrupts what people's perception and, and reality of like what, not what doctors are, but you know, not, not everything is as clear cut and as safe and as trustworthy as we would like it to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're only human, the yeah. doctors. Um, and that's kind of, it, it's scary. Yeah. Well, we are kind of coming close to an end on the show. Um, I know last week we kind of hinted about going into a McDonald's topic. And we also <laughs> do have a question. Yeah. Um, was there one that you wanted to specifically touch on? Um, well, we can talk about the McDonald's briefly, at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, you know, there, again, there's another uh lawsuit against McDonald's for hot food. And this time it's French fries, um, which severely burned a three-year-old girl. Um, yeah. And, you know, and people just get very worked up about this and, you know, and I have very mixed feelings about it just because, um, I mean, I think that, that, that food, there's a certain temperature food probably should not be served at. Um, it's certainly not for children. Um, and I know, I mean, we've all been in that situation where the fries have just come out of the boiling oil. And I, I love them, honestly. Like when yeah. they're fresh like that, it burns my mouth, but I continue to eat them because that's when they're the most, the tastiest, the most delicious. Ow. 
Yeah. But I mean, it's hot food. It's hot food and fries specifically. No one likes cold fries. They're delicious yeah. when they're they're hot. But then yeah. you get kids involved and, you know, serious injuries that kind of changes the story a bit. Yeah. So this one, I mean, it's just filed. So we don't know, you know, it's not like there's been a verdict or anything. But, um, you know, disfiguring scars again and requiring surgery. So obviously this these were really, really hot French fries. Um, you know, and the situation... I, I, you know, I've I've gone through drive-throughs, and I recall times where you know I was handed um, French fries and being told, "Oh, be careful! They just came out." Yeah. Um, and and so maybe that should happen. That if it is something where they've just came out and they haven't just been sitting under those heat lamps, yeah. that that um, you do tell people, um, should you not serve them right away? Should you wait until they cool down? Yeah. Then are you going to have a big line at the drive-through and people are pissed off because fast food isn't fast? And then it's just not as good at times. You know. I mean, there's probably like a perfect sweet spot for <laughs> yeah. a French fries fair, <laughs> which, fair, yeah. where they're not cold and they're not going to like require surgery. Yeah. <laughs> well, and t- so did this kid get handed the McDonald's fries and then it just spill all over her lap in this car seat or... I'm assuming that was the situation because, like I said, I mean, eating a single fry sometimes when they're incredibly hot burn the shit out of my mouth. I can't imagine a full uh, bucket of fries falling on me. Yeah. So um, the complaint says that uh, the food was handed to the mother and she passed the food to her daughter in the back seat. And then seconds later, she heard the screaming and the fries had fallen onto her her thighs. So... um, I, I just, I, and this going back, I mean, I know that there's that chicken nugget case and, mm-hmm. and that got settled and it was, I think. Well, it was a verdict for $800,000. Verdict, $800,000. Um, but, you know, I, I guess, I, I guess if I was in the parent situation, I understand kind of just handing food back to the kid, but someone three years old, toddler in a car seat, you know, food's hot. It's not even just McDonald's. Like food yeah. is just hot. That's just how it is, especially coming out of fast food and drive through that in itself seems a little irresponsible i know if it with how much the damages are like with the the previous case with the chicken nuggets uh obviously there's levels to heat mm-hmm. but at the same time like it it doesn't it maybe it doesn't it's it, it's not that much damage it can just be you know normal burning that normal hot food at correct level well, that probably happens done. all the time well exactly <laughs> but if you don't have surgery you usually don't soup <laughs> true 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 yeah well and and i agree because i you know again i think i think it's clear that that the employees should not be handing it directly to the kid yeah um and you know i i it seems to me that if something has just come out um, and you know it's just blasting hot that you should tell the person you're giving it to, whether they're an adult or they're going to pass it on to the kid. Um, and, but then I do think that, you know, once the, before a parent gives it to the child, maybe touch it. Um, yeah, put I some mean, that's second thought. Not, my know, dad always ate like half my food and he said he was, <laughs> he was making sure it wasn't poisoned. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want you to burn. Wait till it cooled off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it was probably took a few more bites than it should have, but <laughs> you would at least test it. Would be extra safe, exactly. extra sure that you were okay. Yeah, yeah. So I think this is going to be another big, big hot topic. <laughs> yeah. Pardon the pun, but people, you know, get really pissed off about this and feeling like people shouldn't sue over hot food, and you know, it's 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 tough. It's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, the only cases that people are bringing, except for you know the one, the hot coffee one, which was so severe yeah um and and that had a lot of other elements in it in it as well but um you know that yeah i mean if 
I guess I, I think I was always pretty careful about yeah. what it I on the hot top on the uh, hot coffee topic. Um, I was watching Suits. I think it was literally last night, and uh-huh. they referenced that. Oh One yeah, one of the attorneys yeah. was like, you know, someone sued McDonald's for the coffee being too hot, and like as like a little pun, or not a pun, like a little joke, you uh-huh. know, yeah. in the middle of a conversation. And I was like, well, it's a little bit more than that. A little bit more. Yeah, but I mean, that's like a whole part of our culture now. Yeah. And I mean, man, that gets people hot on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't, You're I can't just on fire. All right. Well, anyway, um, moving on, uh, maybe just a, a, a quick addressing of the, so kind of the, the question that we've had all week long or two week, for two weeks now. Um, I think last, last week we talked about people saying, why can't I get involved in the 3M um, earplug yeah. lawsuit or settlement? Um, because you didn't file a case back when the deadline was. Um, and then we've just had call after call, poor Danny, um, about this. I mean, but, but and, and she's being very, very kind to people and explaining the situation. But the, the question that, that came up today was, well, why didn't, why wasn't I told about this before when I could file the lawsuit? And I don't know why this person hadn't heard about it. When these cases came out, the advertising was just crazy. And it was one of the first big ones before the Camp Lejeune, because that's kind of yeah. the latest one, where attorneys got a really hard time for how much advertising they were doing. I mean, and I could not turn on the TV. I couldn't turn on the radio. I couldn't open my Facebook, Instagram without seeing these ads. See, and that's interesting because I didn't see it at all. And I don't see any Camp Lejeune because I think obviously advertising in general is very targeted, but also our current generation doesn't watch cable TV. And I think that's where a lot of lawyers advertise. And obviously some, um, most of them probably do some internet and some radio, but even radio, I don't listen to well, the radio. There's a lot of the OTT, the streaming stuff. I mean, that's on on a lot of you know uh, those services. Um, and then anybody who set foot on a, a, a naval or a, a military base was getting contacted with, you know, it was just blasting everywhere. Yeah. It was almost, almost offensive. But yeah, I think that um, you wouldn't be the target audience, certainly mm-hmm. the age range. Um, but that being said, um, that it can be a problem and but it goes back to always people who rant and rave and say that they hate attorney advertising um and i always say you know what for the types of cases that we do for mass tort cases if we don't advertise nobody will know that they have a case yeah everybody knows if they get hit by a car they can contact a lawyer but people don't know that this drug is a problem now or that product has even been recalled. I mean, it's part of the reason we do this podcast. People don't know this stuff. So what I would say is, you know, if you have any injury, I mean, maybe you didn't see an ad, but why not Google it? Mm -hmm. Why not check with, you know, consumer product safety? Why not just Google, you know, are there lawsuits about this? It'll come up somewhere. Someone's advertising. Someone's talking about it. But maybe it's not. I mean, maybe somebody, you know, this knee is a problem for them. They haven't heard a TV commercial. They Google it. Maybe that knee, there's nothing wrong with that knee. Maybe it was malpractice. Maybe it was just sometimes, you know, there are bad outcomes for no particular reason. Um, but, you know, certainly with, with Google these days, you could do some research yeah. on your own. Um, we have a lot of calls. I mean, because I advertise so much here locally, I kind of got the reputation for being the person to contact on yeah. drug and device cases. So we get calls all the times on things. Um, you know, and Daniel, have you ever heard of anything with this? Um, no, I haven't. Let me research. Let me reach out to other attorneys I know. Okay. No, there's no recall. You know, we are happy to research it. Yeah. You can also research it on your own. 
Um, and, and, and of course there are lots of attorney advertising, but, but don't be so mad about the attorney advertising and then complain that <laughs> yeah. they didn't advertise enough. It's probably two different people, but, <laughs> but I, don't yeah, know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's probably somebody who was complaining. That, that makes sense. Um, and maybe I think that's a good topic as well on a, on our next show or, you know, down the line is how, how do cases kind of get started? Because I would imagine the first person that has an issue with hernia mesh, the first you know few people that started having issues and realizing, wow, this is connected or this is shouldn't be happening, um, there wasn't anything. There wasn't advertising. Like a case always ha- has to start somewhere. There have to be enough problems before people start seeing that there's yeah. a problem. Enough complaints, enough adverse events yeah. that then it's like, wait a minute, there's too many problems with this. Maybe there's a problem with that product. Yeah. 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 So. All righty. Well, that that is. Um, I mean, it's related to kind of what's been going on a lot in the last two weeks. Like you said, we've been getting a lot of calls about the 3M. Yeah, network. and it's very sad. It is. I mean, it is sad. But 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 uh, yeah, I, I, won't, I won't go back on. <laughs> it's sad. It's unfortunate. But you know, if if you do, and if it if there is a situation where um, you know you do qualify, don't put it off. Yeah. Don't, don't wait. Yeah. Because then you know you're getting situations like this yeah. where everyone's getting their their payments, and you got to sit out for it. Uh, well, I think that will probably come to a close yes. here on this one. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. I'm excited to hear about Maine. I'm excited to hear about the book club and meeting the author of the current book that you guys are reading. Um, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in with us, hanging out. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to throw them in the comment section on TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, wherever it is. We love hanging out with you guys. Uh, We love answering questions. And if there's a question or concern or even a story that you want us to kind of talk about and share with other people uh, and you don't feel like put it in the comments, feel free to email us, podcast at showeredlaw.com. Um, and, and we're happy to talk about it, spread the word. That's really what this podcast is all about, is to, to spread the word, spread information, and make sure everyone is as safe as they can be. Absolutely. But with that being said, I hope you all have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Prioritizing profit. Prioritizing, prioritizing profit. Dangerous drug and product cases.